The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100. Get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. We're also brought to you by the SGPN World Cup Free Roll Contest. $250 cash, $250 gift certificate to the winner exclusively on the SGPN app. Yes, sir. We are back with... Another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You know me, you know the voice, you know the guy. It's me, really real, villain real. Terrell Furman Jr. at my humble abode in the Charlotte, North Carolina studio. Scott Studio Rochelle here with me to break down Friday, November 18th betting picks. Scott, what's going on? Nothing much. Uh, looking forward to going through today's card. I know that yesterday didn't have many... I'd say games in general, you had three. In fact, it was one of the weirder, I'd say, schedules I've ever seen. Because 10 a.m. Every game started every game at 10 was, p.m. was 10 p.m., which I, I don't think I've ever seen before. But <laughs> Never. Uh, the games themselves were, you know, pretty good in general. It seemed mm-hmm. like uh, the Clippers game was a rock fight. That game was competitive. The, the Clippers team ki- total is the gift that keeps on giving. That was a gift. Uh, Detroit. Couldn't even win, and Kawhi came back and scored four points. Or, you know, he was <laughs> awful the entire way through, but it didn't matter because Dwayne Casey should really have been fired already. The Kings are just a fun basketball team. Uh, I gave up their win total over on the Mothership show a couple of, uh, about a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Just a pretty entertaining team. They're good. And uh, the Nets ended up winning. They tried to choke the game away against the Trailblazers. Ben Simmons actually looked decent for once. But mainly the takeaway was the... Six for six, 15 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists. But the main takeaway was the legacy game by Royce O'Neal, who had yeah, the yeah. double including the game-winning tip-in with less than a second to go. So I say somebody Nets, post yeah. on Twitter, and they were like, is Royce O'Neal doing Ben Simmons' job? Yeah, <laughs> but Royce O'Neal had like 11, 11, and 11. Watanabe at 20-plus points off the bench. I don't actually have stats to track it, but selectively, it feels like teams that get blown out on national TV just bet them to win the game after. Mm-hmm. It just seems that way, and I don't have the numbers in front of me to back that up, but I could, I swear that's always been the case. The Nets needed a good showing after getting killed by the Kings, and they showed up. And it's crazy because this wasn't a nationally televised game. So, like, nope, there's a good amount of the population that doesn't know that Ben Simmons played really, really well last night. <laughs> six for six from the field, three for four from the free throw line. Like, <laughs> he played really, really well last night, and I think it's an entire, like, huge portion of the population that's just never going to know about it because it wasn't a nationally televised game. Yeah, definitely true. But if you, I ended up watching the game because it was on one of the local channels that I have, Mm -hmm. but it was a good game. The Nets really tried to choke it away and then Royce O'Neal kind of saved them, but it was a game the Nets needed. Kyrie's allegedly coming back on Sunday. So we'll see what happens moving forward, but (laughs) it was a good win for the Nets. To be honest, it was a pretty bad loss for Portland. 
in that spot because the Nets, they're not a good team without Kyrie. You know, they were kind of just hanging in there. They were doing their best. Defensively, they were better. But at home, really? You're like the one seed in the West right now? Like, you kind of have to win that game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean – it's and just, Nurkic, Nurkic played, Grant played, Simons played. Grant, Grant was played. terrible. Two for 13. Grant he was, was terrible, but I'm saying you're at full strength. Yeah, I know. You have really, to win really that bad. game. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I thought I thought they were going to win. I did. I thought they were going to win. So, uh, all right, let's get into this. We, we got 11 games. We should go ahead and get through and knock them out. Before we do that, got to talk to you about WinBet. Now live in Arizona, Colorado, Louisiana, Michigan, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. You have the Win Casino online. You have online sports betting in those states. You have the Win Bet Win Hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Best odds you can get on the marquee games of the week. Great promos, payouts, everything. So much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer such a change, terms and condition at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 All right, let's do it. Straight into the slate. First game up, we have the Miami Heat traveling to play the Washington Wizards in Washington. Minus one for the Wizards. 217 and a half is the total. Uh,. Injury report, we have Caleb Martin questionable, Dwayne Detman questionable, Bam Adebayo questionable, and that's all I got. For the Wizards, we have Jordan Goodwin, who is questionable with the knee injury. So you're getting one on the, at home with the Washington Wizards. Scott, what are you doing? So the Wizards are a team that I don't think is particularly good, but I'll give them props. They have played better lately. Uh, they had that heartbreaker uh, loss against uh, Shea, basically. Not even the Thunder, just Shea, because he had mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Step back, game winner. You know, get the hell off my court type of game. Mm-hmm. Did you see his post afterwards? Of course, yeah. Hemi yeah, Carter? he was. Yeah, Hemi Carter. That's tough. Hemi Carter? That's hard. That's tough. <laughs> uh, that, hard. That is hard. But either way, uh, Miami is a team that we've talked about, and we're not exactly high on. And the more you actually watch this team the more you kind of wonder if this team is potentially too old. Can we say that? Like, It seems like a lot of the actual juice that this team had and a lot of the swagger that they brought to the table, I don't want to say it's gone, but it seems like a lot of it is really just – it just doesn't feel the same. You agree? It, it just feels like Miami isn't the same – cutthroat team uh, towards others that they always have been in terms of defense and just intensity as a whole. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the players that they need to rely on, whether it involves uh, Kyle Lowry, whether it involves just some of the other guys, it just seems like Miami isn't as well oiled of, of a machine as they have been in years past. And that's kind of concerning. I know you're only 15 games in. I don't think it's all because P.J. Tucker's not there. Like I think that there are some underlying issues with the overall roster construction. I'm also not sure how much I actually like the bench. Tower Hero is going to be out. You're going to be potentially missing out of bio, which is a concern. I think I'm leaning Washington. I don't feel great about it, but with the chance that out bio does not play, I don't think I can back them in this spot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lean Washington, but I really don't feel great about it. But it's an, it's a division game. You have a spread that's very short. 
Washington being favored makes me believe that Adebayo has a decent chance of not playing. I'm going to go with Washington because Miami, I know you're going to fade Miami because they're on the road. But in general, I just well, don't think this team is very good. No, it's not that they're on the road. That's my issue. It's when they're road favorites. Like when you start making them road favorites, it just has a history of them not being able to cover that line. Like this is years of data. And I think it's just the Eric Spolster thing. I don't know why, but they just don't cover as road favorites. And so the fact that I'm getting one with them makes me feel a little bit better, but I still don't think that this is a spot where I can really bat this Miami Heat team. And it's because, like you said, Bam Adebayo out, Dwayne Dedman, well, probably going to be out. Dwayne Dedman could play, could not play. Either way, one or the other being out, you're really, really killing the depth they have at the big man position, especially when you're going against some strong rebounders on that uh, Washington side of ball in Chris Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, Rui Hachimura, like all those guys are really, I, I still really think dominant. Gafford should play more. I actually like Gafford as a player. Yeah, so still, it's so much depth. They have so many people they can go to, So, and you don't have that for this Miami Heat team. Last five games, this Washington team is doing pretty well offensively, fifth in the league. Well, no, tied for third. In, they, no, they've been pretty it. good lately. Ever since uh, Beal got his COVID uh, I can't call it a suspension, but ever since he had the COVID issue and he couldn't play, mm-hmm. it seemed like the supporting cast stepped up. Then Beal came back, and the supporting cast has still been pretty good. But I don't know. This Washington team, I'm not exactly a fan of, but then you kind of watch them play recently. They have looked better this past week than in previous weeks, and it seems like they're kind of trending in the right direction. Yeah, it last five like games. I was going to say, it, it feels like Miami's kind of just treading water, isn't doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit on the def- especially on the defensive side of ball. And um 43.4% from three is Washington in the last five games. So they're really like they're turned on the scoring, they're hitting the outside shots. Uh and Miami's that issue is defensively guarding the three. Yeah, yeah. All season. Like it's been all season for them. So that I think that could be a fun little way that we play this. And maybe a Kyle Kuzma threes today, just be able to space the floor a little bit more. He pulls somebody out of the paint and force them to guard him on the perimeter. Uh, Kyle Kuzma threes feels like it could be a pretty solid play, but Washington turned it on defensively last five games, 106 points per game. That's fifth in the NBA Miami heat all the way down at 12 for 112.2 points per game. So I expect to see a slower pace game in this one. I think Washington's going to defend and I just, don't think that a depleted Miami Heat team can cover everything Washington has. So I'm with the Wizards as well. Yeah, I feel like people are going to blindly bet Miami just based on the previous years and how Miami has been such a better franchise than Washington yeah. in the past. Yet Washington's favorite here. It seems a bit trappy to me. I really just I don't think regret Miami's, that. I was going to say, I, I just think Miami's really not great. And until they flip a switch, which I'm not sure they actually have at this point, mm-hmm. I'm going to lean to Washington because at least they flip something. They've looked a lot better. So I think mm-hmm. they could be a bit undervalued. All right. Total set at 217. Miami Heat, four of the last five have gone over, with the last game being the one that went under. And for the Washington Wizards, three of the last five have gone over. What are you doing here? I think I'm going to lean to the under in this one, which you touched upon. Miami mm-hmm. really does not play with much pace. And with Hero being out and maybe Adebayo being out, I don't really like their overall scoring depth. And Jimmy Butler, he's been good this year, mm-hmm. but he's been extremely passive at times, like too passive for a team that's missing a decent amount of players. 
Mm-hmm. You kind of want Jimmy to go nuclear and have himself a 30-point game, 38-8. and eight. He really hasn't had many of those, and I do think if you're going to be looking at the supporting cast and having to rely on Struess to have a big game or going to be relying on Kyle Lowry to play well, which truth is I think Lowry is just well past his prime at this point because of the injuries. I don't really like the scoring depth for Miami, and they play relatively slow. I'm going to go with the under. I think that you're going to end up seeing a, a competitive game between two division teams that probably hate each other. Total has dropped from 218.5 to 217.5. I'm going to back the trend. I'm going to back the line movement here. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I'm I'm with it as well. I'm on the under and 77% of the bets on the over 9 88% of the money is on the under. 77% of the bets on the over 88% of the money. Sharps are on the under. I like the under as well. Next game on the slate, we have the Milwaukee Bucks going to play the Philadelphia 76ers. Minus one and a half for the 76ers. 213 and a half is the total. Going to an injury report, and we have looks like AJ Green, Pat Connington are out. Grayson Allen is probable. Drew Holiday is questionable. Wesley Matthews is out. And Furkan Korkmaz is out with the knee injury for the 76ers. I mean, let me just run through the last head-to-heads in the regular season between these two teams. Milwaukee Bucks have won four of the last five, covered four of the last five, with the one win being for the 76ers being a 123-120 win in Milwaukee uh, around Valentine's Day of last year. Three of those five have gone over. I mean, it's pretty simple for me. Milwaukee just, if I'm getting Drew Holiday, Milwaukee buries the 76ers. All the time. Like, I'm gonna go these with, are yeah. close. One of these is a blowout, but like, all of these are relatively close. But Milwaukee finds a way to cover the line every single time. From a 118 109 win, Milwaukee covered the seven. Uh, they were plus a half. Milwaukee covered 118 116. Uh, they were plus four. Milwaukee covered 90 88. And then the one game that where they were a large favorite, well, larger than the seven, was a nine, and they blew them out 132-94. Like they <laughs> Milwaukee's been covering these games. As they win, they cover. And so I'm getting one and a half again with Milwaukee Bucks against the 70s. Like, why is this line always about the same where Milwaukee is either a really large favorite or a short dog? I'm taking Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Milwaukee as well. It seems to me like you're looking at a spot where Philadelphia has Embiid, who just came off of an all-time great game. He Mm -hmm. basically had a borderline quad double with 50-plus points. It was an incredible game, but the issue is I still think the supporting cast is bad, and Philadelphia is a team that really doesn't have much scoring depth. Milwaukee has very good paint defense. They're arguably the best paint defense in the league with the likes of Giannis and and Portis and Lopez in the middle. I really hate the 76ers supporting cast. I think it's really bad. And I think that with Harden being out, that definitely has left a massive hole. And it's kind of showcased the blemishes in this roster, which is a lack of overall scoring depth. And with Milwaukee having, I don't want to say a great defense to stop Embiid, but at least they have the personnel to make Embiid really work for it. I like Milwaukee. Because I do think that Giannis can get points a lot more easily than Embiid can. 
and Giannis can really just be a one-man fast break and bead might take his time up and down the court, and mm-hmm. that could result in a couple of easy transition points for Milwaukee. The Bucs, I just think, are the much better team, and yeah. I'm really not sure why Philly's favored in this spot. You could argue it's because maybe somebody knows something about Drew Holiday. Could be, uh, but I know the first meeting was competitive this season. Uh, James Harden had a very good game, so I'm not sure if that actually matters. Or I, I mm-hmm. think he had a pretty good game in that one. But either way, I do think you're going to be looking at a spot where Milwaukee is just the far better team. They're the much better coach team. They own the 76ers. Give me the Bucks. Yeah, man. I I just I don't know. They they just kill this team. I this line has been, I mean, plus four earlier this season, a half last year. Like they they're really giving the 76ers a lot of credit, you know, when they're pl- recently when they're playing this Bucks team, and I just but, yeah, I don't but see. I, it. Al- I also know in recent form though, like Philly had the massive game from Embiid, and yet it was a one possession game in the fourth quarter of, with like a minute to go against Utah, and Utah's kind of been falling apart, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah. But it was really just a perfect matchup for Embiid because Utah has no centers at all. Mm-hmm. And Milwaukee's the opposite. Milwaukee can just throw a bunch of length at you to yeah, really Giannis, make it work. Bobby Portis, uh, Lopez. Uh, they got Lopez, a lot of guys, yes. and they can make it yeah. difficult for Embiid. And I'm looking at the first meeting, which Milwaukee won by two in Philly. Harden at 31, 8, and 9. And I was not in the lineup. Like, I think that Embiid, he's going to need to go nuclear if they want to win this game. And I think it's going to be a lot more difficult to just assume he's going to walk into 40. When Milwaukee is arguably the best paint defense in the league. All right. 213 and a half is total. What was you doing? I'm on the under. Philly it opened a, at 219. I meant Philly got a 50 plus point masterpiece and had a hard time cracking 100 against Utah. Mm-hmm. Like this team needs MB to go nuts. And when that happens, the entire pace of the game is shot because MB has to take his time up and down the court. It's kind of like Luka. With Dallas, mm-hmm. where you have to run your offense around your best player, mm-hmm. and that tends to support a slower pace of play, Philly needs to play as slowly as possible so Embiid can actually have time to operate in the isolation mm-hmm. in the half court. The first meeting landed a 178. I'm not going to overthink this. I like the under. I see a really, really underrated defensive struggle between these teams. I think I'm on over. Okay. Just because I don't want to, you know, it opened at 219. Now it's at 213. I think there's a little bit of, I would wait because I think it's going to continue to drop. So I would wait and then come in on the over because I do think that what the Milwaukee Bucks do really well is the fact that they can change the pace of however they play depending on their opponent. And so knowing that the 76ers play a lot better, well, MB plays a lot better at a slower pace. The 76ers as a whole play a lot better as a faster pace, but MB plays better as a slower pace. I think that it's going to be a lot of transition and Giannis trying to run the floor, get out, hit his shooters, go to the lane and do it himself. So I think that you're going to see a lot of transition points for the Bucks, and that's going to push this total a little bit higher than it probably should be. So I think that closing line value and coming in on the over is how I want to play it. Yeah, I've just seen Philly play too many times without Embiid, and I can tell you right now, that offense is a dream under team in my eyes because the pace is not there, the scoring depth is not there, and Milwaukee defensively is really, really good. So I'm Mm -hmm. going to go with the under. All right. Next game on the slate, we have the Charlotte Hornets going to play the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland, minus 9.5 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. 221 is the total. 
We have, it looks like LaMelo Ball is out with that ankle he re-aggravated in the last game. Did you see that, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, just stepped on a guy. On the he fan. stepped on a guy sitting courtside. Guy didn't even yep. move. He just stepped right in his foot. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I don't know. I don't know. This <laughs> that's rough. It's just, but yeah, and it's the same ankle. Like it's the yeah, same ankle. Like he's out for a couple weeks. I don't see any way yeah. around. Dennis Smith Jr. doubtful. Gordon Hayward doubtful. Mark Williams out. And for the Cavs, it looks like Jared Allen is questionable with an illness, and Dean Wade is still out with that knee injury. I mean, Cleveland's kind of falling off a cliff here, but they've also faced off against some good teams. Yeah, I think this is just a get right spot. I really, I really, really wanted to find some type of way to back Charlotte because how good they've been on the road covering spreads and all of that. And but maybe they them, still we've do. seen them with Lamelo. They can't score. Yeah. And this Cleveland's defense, this Cleveland defense is really, really going to give it to him. And Jared Allen comes back. That's just going to make it even harder to score. I, I don't know. I think it's just as easy as just saying Cleveland minus nine and a half. I'm riding chalk on that one. Uh, yeah, for me, I do think that I have to go with the Cavs here. This team has been bad for the last week or two. Uh, I've, I rose to them on the podcast for their late game execution, and they've been terrible late game ever since. They had the game against Golden State where they fell apart down the stretch. I think that was actually the show. I think I talked about it right after mm-hmm. their Clippers game. And then the Golden State game happened, and they didn't make a field goal for the final four minutes. And it was kind Mm -hmm. of just perfect timing. And they kind of snowballed ever since. But I think it's a very good get-right spot. This game reminds me of, like, the Minnesota game against Orlando a couple days ago, where Mm -hmm. I actually just leaned to Minnesota. And I'm looking at Orlando, and they're missing a couple people. Wendell Carter's out, and you're looking at the line going, why the hell is Minnesota laying like eight points when they've lost a couple (laughs) games in a row? And then you look up, and they're up 25 halfway through the second quarter because it just seemed like it was a good spot to just beat up on a bad team when you've underperformed against good teams. Mm -hmm. I still like this Cleveland roster. I still really love Garland and Mitchell as a combo. The only issue for me has been Cleveland's late-game execution, and defensively, they should be better than they are. And they've kind of struggled against good teams. They should have put them together a better performance against Milwaukee last time out. Milwaukee mm-hmm. was missing some guys. There was close for a half, and they got absolutely smacked in the second half. But Charlotte, we've seen they're really not good, especially without Lamelo and Gordon Hayward. You can make an argument without those two players. They're arguably the worst offense in the league. <laughs> they're going to have a really hard time scoring. And Cleveland mm-hmm. has Mitchell and Garland. They're going to torch whoever's guarding them. I don't think it really matters. But I'm going to go with Cleveland, too. They've been good at home, but they're on a losing streak. They have a cupcake opponent that they're definitely not going to be overlooking because they've lost this many games. Five straight, yeah. That's what I'm saying. This is a game that you would normally potentially be, I'd say, not really focused on if you Mm. ended up beating Milwaukee, hypothetically, on the road. But since you've struggled after a hot start, this is a game where you really should just take it to them. I think Cleveland's up 15 halfway through the fourth quarter. The question is, can they hold on? Yeah. So I'm going to take Cleveland, and I'm going to lean to the under. I don't really feel great about the under, but Charlotte offensively is so bad without LaMelo and mm-hmm. Hayward in the lineup. I'm going to trust what I've seen with my eyes. This team just can't shoot without him. I'm going to go with the under, and hopefully Rozier doesn't single-handedly kill me. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm on the same thing as you, and that's same sentiments there that Charlotte's struggling, and, you know, Cleveland doesn't feel like they have to run the score up on a lot of teams. Like, they understand they play really good defense, and if their offense isn't there that night, they're okay with it because they know they're stout on the defensive end for the most part. But this is, yeah, easy as the Cavs are playing a bad team, they should bury them, and I'm on the under as well. All right, next game of the slate, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder going to play the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis. Minus six for the Grizzlies, 230 and a half is the total. Injury report here. You have Desmond Bain looks like he's out. Trey Mann and Darius Baisley are both look like they're out for the Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, tough game for me to handicap because I love the Thunder as dogs, but I love Memphis as a team. Scott, what are you doing? So I do want to ask you, though, about Memphis, because this is going to be a topic of conversation that we're going to be having for about three, four weeks, maybe more. How much do you like Memphis without Bain in the lineup? Because that puts a lot more pressure on Ja, which we're cool with, because we know Ja's just an insane player. You want to take more mm-hmm. shots. But the trickle down of Bain not being able to take roughly 15 shots a game. Mm-hmm. You're looking at Dylan Brooks getting a massive boost in actual playing time and potential volume, mm. which I know we're not exactly a big fan of. He, he takes a bunch of shots regardless. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But you yeah. know that like, if Morant takes some of those shots, you're cool with it. But Brooks is where you're kind of concerned by it. Yeah. Do you like the overall just floor spacing for Memphis with, uh, with Bain out of the lineup? Because I'm looking through the overall roster – Mm-hmm. Do they have many good three-point shooters, or was Bain really just single-handedly just lifting all their three-point numbers? Because I'm going mm-hmm. through the roster. Mm-hmm. I don't see many great floor spacers on this team. Um, you? Well, you got you got uh, Conchar, who is shooting 39.3% from the field from three. So and how, how many attempts, though, does he have per game from three? Like three? I think it, but, I think, but I think that's somebody who's going to get more attempts. Like I think okay. that it's just more of a system play. And, hey, that's our three-point shooter. It's not Desmond, but we're going to give it to him because he's still shooting 40% from three. Like I'm not going to not give the ball to somebody shooting 40%. However, for me, it's going to be seeing the health of Jaron Jackson Jr., and unfortunately, asking a little bit more of him quicker than we would have wanted to. We would have wanted to wait, let him get in the game shape, get some reps under him, and not ask for a heavy workload as soon as he came back. But now Desmond Bain out. And maybe they don't ask for that. Maybe they just say, all right, we're just going to go through this stretch, and whatever we come out of it, we come out of it. But You can argue that it was actually decent timing because Bain got hurt, and now they get back with yeah. their other most valuable players. But And he's going he's gonna to be really good on defensive end. I I think that I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. And just because we've seen this Memphis team be able to play well without different starters being in the game and still finding a way to win games. So uh, I don't think that they're going to be, you know, number one seed in the West, which I do believe is wide open for anybody to take. I don't think that that's going to happen right now. Maybe, you know, when everybody comes back, we see how they look in the future. But right now, I don't think that they're going to take over that spot anytime soon. However, I think they're still all right. Like, I still think they're fine. I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just the fact that Bain was playing at an all-star level. Oh, no, he was gone. No, he's he definitely was looking at most improved, like one of the most improved players. in the Yeah, realistically, his his opponent in this matchup is probably going to win it. Shea's just going nuclear at this point. But the point is, he was easily Memphis' best three-point shooter both in terms of efficiency and really just volume. He was the main mm-hmm. three-point shooter. And I was kind of wondering if you thought that Memphis's actual guard depth was good enough to kind of hold over the team during the absence of Bain. I think it's hit or miss. 
I think they really need Ja to be more aggressive. But mm-hmm. I understand why Memphis is a pretty big favorite here. And even though I love Shea, I've been calling Shea a top 20 player for months, like even before the season started. And I was about to say, well. since last year, we loved Shea. Like he I was, was calling a, Shea top 20. Like his, I was his, points over, hill, his points over for the past year and some change has just been like, yo, why are we not betting this every time? Every time he suits up, whether he just missed 10 games or whether he played the night before, he always yeah, was, goes yeah. off. He does, and now everyone knows it. So now the numbers are jacked up to the 30s. And we used to get those numbers at like 22 and a half, 23 and a half. Those were the days, but either way, oh, I do think the main reason why I'm going to pick Memphis in this game, despite I was kind of just trying to bring a conversation about the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. The issue still remains with OKC. They can't rebound to save their lives. And Memphis, with getting Jackson back, they still have Adams. They still have uh, Clark. They have a lot of quality big men Mm -hmm. in terms of depth. Memphis is third in the league in rebounding rate, and OKC is 23rd. I think OKC gets murdered on the glass in this game. I think Memphis gets a bunch of offensive rebounds, a bunch of second-chance points. They're going to have so many more free throws than OKC in this game. Mm-hmm. And I know I just rose to Dylan Brooks for, for his offense because we all witnessed that playoff ordeal. <laughs> Defensively, he's still very good. Double he still bond. puts a lot of effort on the defensive Double end. Bonds. He's one of the better defensive guards in the league. Now you mm-hmm. also have Jackson back for rim protection when O'Shea wants to get to the hoop. I think Memphis does have the personnel to make life extremely difficult for Shea offensively. And I'm, I'm still not sold on OKC supporting Cass. I just think Shea's been trying to carry a below-average team, and he's done so because he's played so well. But I'm going to lean to Memphis. It's really just about the size and the length of this team. I think mm-hmm. OKC's going to have a very hard time competing on the glass, and I think that's going to be the story of the game. Yeah, man. I And Memphis is at home, and they're a good home team. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on the same thing as you. I don't want to repeat too much of your handicap, but I feel the same exact way. And... I it's really Trey Mann. I think it's Trey Mann for me. And the fact that he is a spark off the bench and he is somebody that doesn't need to be set up for him to be able to score the basketball. Like he can go out there and create on an NBA level and get his own, add you a good 10 to 12, maybe even 14, 15 points off the bench. And that's a really, really big boost. And so that another game where you're missing that, that's still like something we have to take into account. And I think that's going to be the missing piece. Like, I think that's going to be the difference in the Thunder making this close game and Grizzlies just going out and having having their way and not being challenged on the offensive end by the OKC Thunder at all. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm on the Grizzlies minus six in this one. Yeah, and Robinson Earl really is not a great overall offensive player. So you, I think you actually can play Adams in this game. Mm-hmm. OKC plays very fast, which is kind of the concern, but – I'm looking at OKC's supporting cast, especially with May being out, with uh, Man being out. Do they have many, if any, three-point shooters? With Man, no, out they're not a good. They're. I don't even think they're a good three-point shooting. Team. That's what I'm saying. I, I, they they really. Well, aren't. last five games they've been really really good. They're number one in the NBA at 44.5 percent. So last five games, but as the overall uh, season, overall on the cost course of the season. Well, I mean that's had to skew their numbers up a little yeah. bit. Even with the numbers skewed for that 44.5% in the last five, they are at 34.4% on the season, 20th in NBA. So my point is is that I do think that since you don't exactly have to worry about chasing Pokashevsky around the three-point line, 
and Robinson Earl. I think that Adams can play a decent amount of minutes in this game. Mm-hmm. And if he plays, he might walk into like 15 rebounds. Like nobody's even close in terms of physical strength to handle Adams. He's mm-hmm. going to feast in this game. Clark's athletic. Uh, they re- they have just have so many guys at the center position that can really cause problems for OKC. Points in the paint is going to be the story. I think Memphis wins the points in the paint battle by like 25 to potentially 30. So I'm going to go with the Grizzlies here. I just think they have too much length on the interior. All right. Next game on this. Uh, well, total I'm going to lean to the over. I'm not, yeah. I'm not taking I mean, an under with OKC. I mean, yeah, and Memphis has been pretty decent um, in scoring as well. So, all right. Next game on the slate, we have the Indiana Pacers traveling to play the Houston Rockets in Houston. The Pacers are laying five on the road. 236.5 is the total injury report that I see here. And we have Kevin Porter Jr., who is questionable for this game. And that's about it. Well, it's a huge deal because Houston isn't very good offensively to begin with, and he's their second best offensive player. Yeah, it, it is big, but am I? Can I lay five on the road with Indiana? Like is I that? I'm, I think I'm gonna do it. Am I? I can I? Can I get arrested for that? Is no. that against the law? Uh, as far as I know, it's legal, but like discouraged. Okay. Oh, like, highly it's discouraged. Upon, like, it's it's frowned upon in a couple countries or okay. a couple of you know like cities, but like I, think, I think we'll let it slide. Yeah, well, they actually uh, changed their mind. Alcohol is now legal uh, for the World Cup because you know you have sponsors that are paying like hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, so, so they changed it again. I believe they flipped it. Now they're allowing alcohol. So they so they said that it was allowed. Then they said it wasn't allowed. Now it's allowed again. I'm assuming it's only allowed in the venues, and you can't actually like do it recreationally on your own time. Mm. But uh, we'll see. I think the point is that they were sponsored, so they had to like, have vendors do it. Because <laughs> Budweiser is like one of the biggest sponsors yeah. of the world. It's an absolute <laughs> circus over there, but we'll see what happens. You know? Oh, man. But All right. uh, to go back to the game itself, I did watch Indiana play against Charlotte, and I still love Halliburton. Guy's mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, there's no way around it. Buddy Heald's been really good this year. But shout out to Miles Turner, mm-hmm. who is still there for some reason, but he's really exactly what Indiana needed. He gives them I, a pain. Pr- they just haven't they haven't gotten a good deal for him. That has I guess to be not. You know, three years <laughs> waiting. You know, they're waiting for the great deal there. The expiration date might have passed. Like, it's definitely been multiple already, years but. that they've been trying to get rid of Miles Turner to the point where he's actually portraying why the Lakers should trade for him on the, on a podcast. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, Pretty much. But ever since he came back to the lineup, really, really good. Been, they've been much better defensively because Miles Turner can punt any shot he wants. I think he could easily guard Shingun. Shingun is a player that I really like, but Turner mm. has the athleticism and the overall length to really make it difficult for Shingun's under-the-basket style of play to really work. Because Turner can wait on a bunch of these post moves and just try to punt it into the fifth row. So I think that Shingun might have issues. But Indiana's looked like a pretty decent team this season. That Matherin, who I love, and I'm looking at the supporting cast for Houston. This team's awful. And the only reason why I picked them, or we picked them, I should say, to beat Dallas was because we thought Dallas would overlook them. And we thought that Houston would do enough in order to actually get the job done. Don't get confused. They didn't look good in the game. They just ended up beating a Dallas team that was missing Luka. We were fortunate on that, but even that wasn't easy. I'm going to go with the Pacers. This team has been playing good basketball. I like what I've seen. I don't think Houston has anything going for them. The only argument is they've played four home games and 11 road games. So they had really had a hard schedule up to this point, but I'm going to go with Indiana. I think they're a better functioning team right now. And with Porter Jr. being out, this team's got nothing offensively besides Jalen Green. So... 
a ladder the green points, I guess. If yeah, oh yeah, that's a hundred percent can't play. But I'm gonna go with Indiana. I just think they have too many weapons at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna just back Houston to keep it close. Okay. I'm I maybe Indiana gets a win, but I'm gonna back Houston and keep it close. And it's really because of Jalen Green. Indiana this season versus the shooting guard position are allowing 24.7 points per game. That is fourth worst in the NBA. Jalen Green, this seems like the opportunity for him to just go absolutely nuclear. I don't think it's anybody on the Pacers side that can really stop him when he gets in that mode. It's just, you know, how consistent can he be? He's had these really big games, but he's also had games where he's just not shown up. I'm hoping at home, you're a pretty large underdog at this point. I just don't feel comfortable taking lane five with the Pacers. I like the Pacers as dogs. And I think that the Rockets, this is a pretty good home spot. Even if Kevin Porter Jr. doesn't play in this game, I think I trust Jalen Green and just some of the other pieces for the Rockets to be able to step up. Maybe we get one of the very, very rare Jabari Smith games in this season. But I think that the Rockets do have options. They just got to be able to attack the perimeter of that Pacers defense and not the interior where Miles Turner is just hanging out around. So, yeah, I'll take the Rockets here. I've just seen them play. I think this team sticks. But, you know, Indiana has uh, been fun. They're a fun team. 236 and a half. So, I saw their game against Charlotte. I watched it. I sweated out a Lamelo assist prop and lost. But I ended up <laughs> watching the game. The first quarter was a rock fight. And the game still went over. Like mm-hmm. The game had a similar total. That total flew. It found a way over barely. I do think if you're looking at a spot for both teams offensively to get going, this probably would be it. But with Porter Jr. potentially being out, can I really take an, un- an over? Like I don't think Houston offensively is that good. The pace has been better lately. But Jay, like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Kevin Porter in general. I think he's a good stats guy. I'm not sure if he's actually a winning basketball player. Mm-hmm. But if he's one of your only guys in the entire roster that can actually create off the dribble and you might not play, I kind of have to lean to the under, don't I? Like I, I think they have a lot of guys that can create a low key. I mean, you have Kenyon Martin coming off the bench. I think he can help create for himself. Martin's a very streaky player, but I yeah, think, okay. but it's like that's but that's really what Houston like this entire team is filled of streaky players. It is. And so that's what makes it really, yeah. really hard to handicap this team night in and night out. Because Christopher, it's like, who's an okay player, but yeah, Christopher, like, and he's not even playing minutes for real. So it's just like they have other people that I like that I feel like can create their own, but it's just the streakiness, and you just gotta pick your spots with this Houston team and if Kevin Porter Jr. was playing, I'd probably lean over. But since it's a question mark, I'm going to take the under. Because Porter Jr., I think, has been their probably second-best offensive player this season. If so I think the, I'm going to lean under. I think under. the Rockets cover, I think that points were having on both sides. So I think I have to go over. I think you have to go over. I'm going to go under because I have a question if Houston can actually keep up on the scoreboard. And I think Houston's going to drastically drag it down. I see this game finishing somewhere around like 120 to 111, mm-hmm. something kind of like that. But if you think Houston's going to win, I don't think they're going to stop Indiana. The question is, can they outscore him? So. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel too. Uh, be on the Jake. I hear you. I see you in the chat, Jake. Let me know if you see uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. props today. You're really good about scoping out props somewhere. Let me know if you see Kenyon Martin Jr. props today. I just feel like that's that's a player I want to get behind today. You're only going to get off the start, bench. So coming off the bench, you got Benedict Matherin, who's going to. 
be scoring for the, off the bench for that Indiana Pacers team. Somebody off the bench is going to see that and want to keep up. He has a 21-point game this season earlier against uh, – and he has a 23-point game against mm-hmm. the Clippers and a 21-point game against Orlando. Yeah, I think I like the, I like this spot, and I think that King and Martin Jr. can have a really good game. if uh, Even if King, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is not out, I think he still can have a really nice game here. I'm trying to see if there are odds for it, but occasionally you'll see books give out – like leading point score of the day, yeah. like something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the odds are for Jalen Green. I don't mind a long shot there if you want to just try something. It's, yeah. it's probably not going to win. I'm going to be straight up with you. I mean, you got Giannis playing, you got Embiid playing, you got a lot of guys who can easily put up 40. But I think for spot alone and for volume and for Indiana's defense, which is very, very bad, mm-hmm. I do think that Jalen Green could have a 40-piece in him which is why we kind of like laddering the player prop, especially if Porter Jr. is out, because the volume is going to be disgusting mm-hmm. if Porter Jr. just isn't in the lineup. But I don't mind taking a serious long shot there with maybe Jalen Green leading point scorer of the night. I think I'm filling another random player parlay for us to give out, and Jalen Green has to be one of them. Yeah. The question is, you take the points or the threes? Let's go threes because it's Indiana. Yeah, that's why I was asking. Yeah, let's go threes because it's Indiana. All right. So and if he's gonna score forty, he's gonna he's gonna make at least like five. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Let's go threes because it's Indiana. All right. Next game let's say we have the Orlando Magic going to play the Chicago Bulls. Minus nine for the Bulls. Two twenty one and a half is the total. Let's see here. What everybody wants to know. Paolo Bancaro. It says he's out. So I see that he's yeah. out right here. Jonathan Isaac out. hasn't played in forever. He's out. So Wendell uh, Carter is a probable. Probable. And yeah. Gary Harris is probable. Forgot that Where guy existed. Has... Okay, nice. <laughs> Patrick Williams and Kobe White are both questionable with ankle and quad injuries, respectively. Huh. Man, nine with Orlando. It just what is Orlando ATS this year? I feel like I feel like they've been covering a lot. Like I just feel like they've been. Covering I want to say they're season. very, very good at home, but but they're not great on the road covering. But they've been they've been you know a bad team that's a bit feisty. So all right, let's see here. At home, the Orlando Magic are where they at six and three ATS. That is good for fourth best in the NBA right now. What are they on the road? On the road, they are – well, that can't be good. <laughs> no way. That's not they're real. They're 0-6 straight up a, on the road, so that's 0, why I'm asking. 0-5-1 was what I have. That and is, they're 0-6 straight up. That is not up. real. That they're is terrible not real. They have, they have not – there's no way they have not covered a single game on the road this season. Uh, let me that's just look Lakers at, bad. Let me just that look at the Lakers road bad. games. Well, right now it's Warriors bad, but let me just pull it up. Uh, so looking at no, because the, the Warriors games, at least have covered a game. <laughs> they did. Yeah, the Warriors have covered a game on the road. There's no game on the road. I don't even remember them covering a game on the road. Okay, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't. Uh, I figured they'd be favored in every road game. Yeah. Uh, okay, but them games. Either way, I'm going to read it off. Uh, the order of road games: played the Thunder, lost by eight; played the Mavericks, lost by nine; played the Cavs, lost by eleven; played the Knicks, lost by thirteen; played the Hawks, lost by ten. Now Orlando did have a bunch of home games in a row. They played actually seven straight home games, and now they're traveling on the road again for the first time in basically three, four weeks. Having said that, 
Chicago kind of stinks right now. So even though Orlando is a god-awful road team, and even though they're 0-5-1 ATS on the road, I think I'm actually going to lean to Orlando. I don't feel great about it at all. Mm-hmm. But Chicago's a team we were down on during the offseason. We just thought that with with uh, Lonzo missing a bunch of time, potentially the entire season, we weren't exactly sold on the supporting cast. Nope. I, I do think Orlando has the size to definitely battle with Vucevic and potentially win the battle in the glass. Mm-hmm. They're a bad team. But there's no way I'm laying eight and a half or nine with the Chicago team that we really don't like right now. And it's really not playing good basketball. I'm going to lean Orlando. But if you don't want to bet it, I understand. Hmm. Sure, it's simple. Do you want to lay eight and a half with this current Chicago team? That's really the Chicago question. is one in four, last five ATS. Good competition. The only, win, the only win being against the Raptors at home, where we call it that. And we called that by 11 plus because they just played the night before and they got Zach Levine back that game. After that, lost on the road to, no, lost at home to New Orleans, 115 111 as a two point dog. Two point dog at home versus the Nuggets, 126 103. And a one and a half point dog at New Orleans, 124 110. Now, the difference is. Those three teams are actually probably playoff teams in the West. Yeah, well, not three teams, but it's, it's, those two teams are probably yeah. playoff teams in the West. Mm. <sighs> Am I really about to ride chalk? I mean, I yeah, mean, no, I'm a no, I'm yeah. a ride chalk because I know I know somewhere where I'm coming back and I'm I'm being uh, I'm not going chalky. So yeah, I'm going chalk here, and I'm gonna just go with the Chicago Bulls. It's just. I mean, 05 and 1, 0 and 6, whatever it is, that's really, really bad on the road. And oh, it, it's a true. It just feels like this is the same spot for the Cleveland Cavaliers where we were talking about they played really bad basketball recently, and this just feels like the get right spot. Yeah, for me, I just think that the difference there is that at least Cleveland is, for me, relatively to fully healthy. Jared mm-hmm. Allen will see. Charlotte's just completely destroyed with injuries right now. And you're looking at Orlando. I liked Minnesota in the last game because Wendell Carter Jr. was probably not going to play, and I thought mm-hmm. they'd get killed on the glass. He's supposed to play. I like the overall front court. Shout out to Bobo, by the way, for the birthday 26 and 12. Nice job. Yes, yes. Great I, birthday game. But I do. Oh, think I love when were, birthday games hit. I do think that Orlando actually can somewhat match up with Chicago decently. Then again, DeRozan might drop 40 on their heads, and I'm going to feel like an idiot. But I'm going to lean to Orlando. I just don't want to lay eight and a half or nine with Chicago right now. But I'm probably just not going to play it. Yeah, I I feel pretty decent about laying this uh, laying this number with Chicago. I'm, like I'm just not going to touch it. But I don't mind it as a super-duper long shot of, like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lock it up, but I feel, I feel pretty, pretty good about it. All right, next game on the slate, we have the Boston Celtics going to play the New Orleans Pelican. Oh, wait, total, that one, 221. I mean, mm. I don't really have a. I have a no lean. thoughts on this one. I, th- yeah. I think I'm going to lean to the over because I think Chicago can score in Orlando. Well, uh, it's kind of a hedge for me because defensively they're not good either. So I'm going to lean to the over and just expect points. Give me Chicago team total over. Okay. All right. Boston Celtics, New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans. Smoothie King Center, two and a half, laying two and a half with the Boston Celtics, two and a half, home dog for the New Orleans Pelicans. 230 and a half is the total. Let's see here. 
We have Zion questionable, Malcolm Brogdon probable. Marcus Zion's Smart, questionable? questionable. I'm shocked. I can't believe it. He's I think he's again. actually. I think he's actually always questionable, but it's really an out. Like they say he's questionable, but he's really out. You have to have no injury designation for Zion for him actually to be. You're saying it's like the Belichick Patriots injury report. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. very similar. All right. Both teams have been good lately, but Boston. They have. They've been really good. Boston's been scoring the hell Boston's out of so basketball, good, dog. Boston's incredible. Oh, man. where's And I watched them against my... Atlanta, by the way. Defensively, they absolutely destroyed Atlanta. And it was in Atlanta, too. It was just a murder. Yeah, it was really – it was it was tough. It was very, very tough. Uh, Boston, last five games, it's 125.6 points per game. The only reason that they're not first is because the Kings and the Thunder are both averaging 130.4. Yeah. So – They've been crazy scoring the basketball recently. The Pelicans, not no slouch themselves, and they've been getting really, really good contribution from their bench. Jose Alvarado's been finding ways to score the basketball. Trey Murphy's been finding ways to score the basketball, from, especially from deep, being able to spread the floor, where I feel comfortable even if Zion's out because Trey Murphy has been playing so well. Like He's been able to, to stretch the floor, shoot the, shoot the three ball effectively, get to the rim when he needs to, uh, Man, I this line is is perfect. I will say this: this line is perfect because the Boston Celtics do res, do deserve the respect of being road favorites against this Pelicans team. But this Pelicans team ain't no slouch, and I think this is going to be a really close game. I'll take two and a half. I think I'm going to take Boston. I like this Pelicans team. I have an off season ticket, which I don't feel great about about Willie Green to win Coach of the Year. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but still, point is they've been playing better lately. But Boston is just a machine right now. Yeah, they're really good. They're really good. That's going to segue me into actually a future bet that I like. So kind of just a bonus play here. Um, Will Hardy's the favorite to win coach of the year right now at plus mm-hmm. 500. Makes sense. Utah has been leaking oil, though. So I kind of wonder if this team is going to really fall apart. And I wonder how good Utah actually needs to be in order for him to win the award. Joe Missoula is the second favorite at around 7-1. to one. This Boston team might win 60 games. And Robert Williams isn't even playing. This team is actually nuts. If you've, if you've watched it, they've played. Tatum's one of the MVP favorites. Jalen Brown's been very good. But the narrative is there because Udoka had to get suspended. The narrative is perfect for an interim, quote-unquote, coach to just show up and they win 60 games. But Missoula, at 7-1 to one to win coach of the year, I really like it because this team, realistically, as a floor, they should win 50-plus games. This team is absolutely just stacked right now. And I think Missoula at 7-1, to one, Utah we've seen kind of start to fall apart. We've seen some cracks in the armor. I think that over the course of the season, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they could be a play-in team. I don't think that's good enough for them to actually give them the award. Do you think that if a last-second replacement head coach wins 50-something games and they're the one-seed doesn't he just walk into the award, narratively speaking? Yeah, I mean, they, you would have to have something like for Will Hardy to, because he's going to be in the conversation regardless. Like if if you if, for Will Hardy to seat. top that, he has to he has to have the one seat. He has say, to also have the one seat and take a team that everybody thought was tanking and make them the one seat. I was going to say, what exactly is the floor for Hardy though in Utah? Like if Utah ends up as the seven seed and they make it into the actual playoffs. Is that good enough? Yeah, no, so that's the thing. That's good enough. But 
it's not good enough if Will Hardy makes this team a one seed, which is, I mean, not Will Hardy, but if uh, Joe Mazzulla makes yeah, you, the team You said a Hardy seat. a one seed. That's why I was getting confused. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. If Hardy makes the Jazz a one seed, he gets the award. That's point blank, period. He, I don't care what Boston has going on. If Hardy makes the Jazz a one seed by the end of the season, he gets the award because I'm everybody not part happen. of that team is the same. We'll I mean, yeah, we're both sure that that's not going to happen, bracket. but I'm saying, let's what say I'm Utah saying is, is the bottom is, end of the bracket. This, let's say this Utah's is, a seven. No, but that's what I'm saying. If they're... The only way that he absolutely locks up this award is he makes the one seat. That's the point I'm trying to make. If he makes the one seat, he locks Hardy the, award. the one seat. You mean yes, Hardy. Hardy. That's the way he locks up the award. I don't care what Boston does. Boston could go out there and have a great season. If Hardy makes the Jazz a one seat after they traded Donovan Mitchell, after they traded Rudy Gobert, they're 100% in. Now, do we think that that's likely? No. So when you come back to what you're saying and that – they become back of the playoffs. I think that they have, he still has a very, very good chance to win if they are back in the playoffs. But if Missoula makes Boston a one seed after everything that happens, that trumps that. That is the only thing that I think could trump the Jazz making the playoffs when everybody expected them to be a lottery team. And it's the fact that Missoula comes in as an interim coach and puts Boston back on top where they were last year. It's also, looking at, it's also looking at Boston. I think Missoula can coach. Like, if you actually watch them play, I think he's actually a pretty good coach. I'm not just blindly picking him for the record, but usually this award goes to a one-seed team. You have the occasional Thibodeau run. Some you have to have the, expected to do much. You have to have the adjustment from last year to this year. Like yeah, it's, also the a, media, it's also the media market. Nobody yeah. cares about Utah. Like, they're a fun story, but Boston is a team that made the finals last year they had to get rid of their coach and now their interim, who was hired at the last minute, is potentially going to lead them to 55, 60 wins. I think 7-1 to one's a bargain. It will definitely be below 3-1 to one at some point this season. This team is too good to not potentially win 55-60. to 60. And once again, Robert Williams hasn't played yet. Yeah, I mean... I don't my only my only combat to that and why I have Hardy first, and this is not because I'm annoyed with the Boston Celtics as an organization, but it's the fact that this team won 52 games last year. So all you can say is that, oh, well, it really wasn't Udoka. Like it was just this is a good team. Like this is just a good team. And whereas you have a team that traded both of their star players away and still find a way to to be top half of the West right now and potentially a playoff team. That's why I feel like Will Hardy deservedly is in the lead. And the only thing that could, in my opinion, cut him out of it is Boston winning 60 games. Oh, no, I I think Hardy should 100% be the favorite right now. But my point is, since Utah has really struggled for the past week or so, it seems like there's a chance this team really might just potentially fall off a cliff. And if that happens, then Missoula might be running borderline unopposed. I don't, like, see, I don't. That's what I don't agree. I don't think it's unopposed just because of the fact that again, Boston was a 52 win team last year. I'm just trying to think of the other candidates besides Hardy. I mean, you're going down the actual line here. I don't spend that much time because it's still early in the year. But I'm looking at the odds Chauncey. here. Chauncey's at eight to one. You can make a case. Bickerstaff. I don't think he's going to get it. Uh, this team in late games is just not good enough in my eyes. But I really think Boston could win 60 games. Like this team is really, really good. Chauncey, you can make a case for. For me, but... it's, after Hardy is Chauncey. It's, for me and how I have it, I have Hardy, Chauncey, and then Missoula. And it's just because the fact that – and it's not no fault to Missoula. He got a good team. That's not like I'm not faulting him for that. No, no, Chauncey's but... been great. Portland's been very good this year. Like, I yeah. get it. It's just I think the media market helps because Boston is a big media market and those other yeah, two yeah, places I you agree. mentioned are not. I agree. Just saying 7-1, to one, those odds will definitely not be there in like a week or two. That's all I'm saying. All right. 
We got to keep going, though. Uh, you're on Boston. I'm on New Orleans. I assume we're both on the over 230 and a half here. Yeah, I'm taking the over. All right. Uh, yeah, take everybody's props. Take everybody's props. Yeah. All right, next game on the slate, we have the Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas. Mavericks are laying nine. 215 and a half is the total for the Nuggets here. Uh, Jokic is out, COVID protocols. Aaron Gordon is questionable with an illness. Jamal Murray is out as well with COVID protocols. Ishmith is doubtful with the cab injury. You have Reggie Bullock on Dallas side, questionable with the neck injury. Probable is JaVale McGee with the neck injury, and Maxi Kleber is out. So, this is where we just have fun. You close your eyes. Don't even think about it. Just close your eyes. Bet Denver plus nine. Just do it. I don't, I don't trust the Mavericks to cover this spread at all. My favorite play is the under. I just yeah. see a rock fight in this game. I, I watched that Denver... Uh, Knicks game. I saw them choke away that huge lead in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the, the Nuggets look good, and duh, you're missing a two-time MVP. Dallas mm-hmm. offensively without Luka was also really bad, but that's expected because Luka's a 40-point triple-double machine. Mm-hmm. Luka should do whatever he wants in this game, and that's kind of the concern, but the pace alone should be so slow, I don't think it's actually going to matter. I think I'd probably lean Dallas, but once again, I'm not going to bet the spread. I, I've roasted Dallas all year long. I'm not going to lay nine. Two fifteen and a half is crazy. Because even without, <laughs> like, with Jokic being out of the lineup, and you watch the game against the Knicks, I'm assuming you did. Mm-hmm. That was a rock fight. The game was oh, an yeah. absolute war, physically speaking. Like there was not any, there was no pace to the game. Yeah. And Dallas is definitely not going to let you get any pace in the game. I'm on the under because I really just don't see enough possessions. No, yeah, I'm on the under, and because of the under, I think that the Nuggets keep it close, and I think that they're in this game, and the Mavericks are going to have to try to pull away a little bit later, and this just feels like a very, very good spot for Bones Highland to come out, have one a really, really good game, keep them in it. Uh, they have the outside shooting, and Bruce Brown has come in and really been really, really good when he's come in for players. Uh, you could have a Michael Porter Jr. go off game. Like they still have a bunch of options on the offensive side of the ball that makes me feel comfortable. And it just, I don't think that they're going to be consistently able to put up points for every single quarter. But I think that they're going to be in this game. I truly do think they're going to be in this game. I'm taking the Denver Nuggets plus nine. Like this just feels like an ultimate just Mavericks just fumble what everybody thinks is an easy cover. I'm I'm on the Nuggets here. And matter of fact, I still can't believe the totals. Sprinkle on that plus 310 money line. Really? Okay. Yes. Sprinkle on that money line because it's we've seen it too many times. Too many times that star players have been out for a team and the other team has just strictly overlooked them, let them hang around the game too much. If I think that they let the Nuggets hang around the game, I'm damn sure going to have a little bit on a plus 310 money line. So, yeah, I love the Nuggets plus nine. Give me a little sprinkle on that plus 310. I just love the under. I can't believe this totals in the mid two tens. I think that's crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? Uh, Denver team total under. I, I know you think that they're going to cover, but I don't think they're reaching a hundred points. Like, I don't think they're going to potentially come close to reaching a hundred points. I, I think I'd they're going to finish somewhere in the low nineties. I'd take Dallas team total under just because they're they're well, like the under the and everything. Bomb. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm like just saying, everything. like I don't good. think Denver has good. the weapons to actually get over a hundred when the pace is going to be so slow. 
So I, I liked everything underrelated in this game. All right. Next game on the slate, we have the Phoenix Suns going to play the Utah Jazz in Utah. Minus two for the Suns. 228 and a half is the total injury report here. And we have uh, Chris Paul questionable. Landry Shamit is out. And Rudy Gay is questionable. Um... Yeah, man, I don't know. I can't fake the I can't fake this Suns team against the Jazz right now with the Jazz reeling like this. I know we were talking about them earlier, but they're really just reeling. And I I don't know if the Suns coming in town is a get up spot where they say, All right, let's turn it around here when we play the Suns. Yeah, for me, I have to go with Phoenix here. Even with Chris Paul missing time, it hasn't mattered. Killed the Warriors again, uh, last game out. Now their home road splits are pretty jarring because they're really mm-hmm. good at home and not great on the road. And Utah's been pretty good at home in general. But I just mentioned why I think Hardy is right now fool's gold for coach of the year. It's because this team's falling apart, or at least it's looking like it in the short term. And since this team was overachieving earlier this season, I think they're a bit overvalued at this point. Phoenix is miles ahead in terms of just being a better basketball team. It's really not mm-hmm. even close. Bridges has been amazing ever since Cam Johnson got hurt. I still love Booker. Aiton's been very good. Aiton better have a double-double in this game. I'm calling him out. You better have a double double against like Kelly Olynyk and like you. You better have Laurie Markin. Markin in like he should really walk into like twenty and fifteen. He really yeah, should. Pretty easy. But I'm gonna go with Phoenix here. I still really like them as a team. I'll apologize to them because they made me a lot of money last season, and then I immediately thought with all the off season stuff that they were going to take a step back. This team is just too well coached. It's, I re- it's not in really five. It's team. not in five at this point of season. Not a step back for them though. That is like well, a my point is you weren't total, wrong. You weren't wrong. I wasn't that wrong, but their win total was like 15 games lower than it was last year, based on where they finished, and I kind of yeah. leaned under. They're going to win 50 plus games. This yeah. team is just well, is just way too fundamentally sound. They really have a good formula in place, and I thought that the chemistry would be shot because of what happened in the playoffs. Besides Jay Crowder, the chemistry has been fine. So I'm going to go with Phoenix. They're a much better team than Utah. It's just simply put. All right. 228 and a half. I'm on Phoenix if anybody, if I didn't say, make that clear already. Yeah, you did. You said you, you said you have to fade Utah based on how they've been reeling yeah. lately. 228 and a half is the total. Came up from 227. I mean, the pace should be there, but Utah offensively has been pretty underwhelming lately. Hmm, let's see here. Let me just look at some numbers. Phoenix, last five games, uh, four, 14th in the NBA, 112.6 points per game. Utah is 21st, 115.8. Uh, let's go advanced. Let's bring that down. Last five games in terms of pace. We have Utah, fifth fastest pace. And we have the Suns, which makes sense. 28, 26th in pace. They always do run a slower pace game. I don't know if I don't know if I trust Utah to push the pace against this team, though. I really feel like the Suns have really good transition defense and are able to slow this Utah team down to where they want them to play in the half court. I'll take an under. I agree with you on the under. I just think that Phoenix defensively is a good unit. I think Utah offensively might be a bit overrated based on how just unbelievable they were shooting from three. Uh, to start the year. Uh, Phoenix defensively, though, has really not been good at guarding the three. They rank 24th in three-point percentage of her opponents, so mm-hmm. you could argue Utah might get hot from the outside. Utah, though, third-best three-point defense in the league, which is a bit surprising. So Interesting. 
I'm going to go with the under. I think that this total is a bit high. I think Phoenix defensively is going to have a, a gear to them that I'm not sure Utah is fully ready for. I'm going to go with the under. All right. Next game to slate, we have New York Knicks traveling to play the Golden State Warriors on the third game of their road trip. 2-0 straight up and ATS are the Knicks on this road trip. Minus 7.5 is the Warriors for this game. 234.5 is the total injury report here. And we have... Mitchell Robinson is doubtful for this game. Jonathan Kaminga is questionable. That might be a ju- addition by subtraction at this point. I don't think they were going to play him anyway. <laughs> uh, birthday news. I mean, if it, like, it's Patrick Baldwin Jr.'s birthday. so Happy birthday know. to him. Vanderbilt legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, was, was, it Vanderbilt? No, was he Vanderbilt? No, Patrick Baldwin Jr. is um, Wait, was he Valpo? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Milwaukee? Oh, so I'm, yeah. no, my bad. I'm, I'm thinking of the other. He played for his dad. Yeah, you're right. He was the one who was supposed to be a, a first round pick, and he was awful. And then he ended up going. Yeah, who, there was another Baldwin in the NBA from like a while ago who was randomly mm-hmm. like. From if, he played, if he played, if he played for who. a power, if he played for a power five school, like a better school, he would have been like easily a lottery pick. But he went to go play for his dad in Milwaukee, and that team was just absolutely terrible outside of him. And I think he ended up like getting hurt and not finishing playing. So whatever. Yeah, I was thinking of Wade Baldwin the fourth, who's now actually playing <laughs> in Israel. So my bad. That's another Baldwin. My bad. Okay. My bad. All right. <laughs> Seven and a half with the Warriors at home against the Knicks. I mean, I don't know. I just can't. I said this and I've been saying it for a long time. The Knicks always play well when they go West Coast. Like if they don't cover the game, they're probably in position to cover for majority against of the State, game. They're usually pretty good. Yeah, and they but normally they're like in major, in position to cover majority of the games on the West Coast and the games they don't actually cover is the fourth quarter meltdowns that they have under Thibodeau. Uh they they play well. I think they match up size-wise really really good with Golden State. They should, you know, have a fun with Looney under the rim and Draymond being able to grab a bunch of boards between Sims, Randall, uh and I just I don't know. I don't know about Golden State. I just feel like Steph is gonna go off, honestly. Like I know that's a very easy handicap, but it just feels like Steph go off, and that's probably the reason they win the game. I don't know if I trust him to cover. Give me the seven and a half with the Knicks, who are really, really good when they go West Coast. Yeah, the only thing that's kind of concerning for me about the uh Warriors in the spots, the fact that I still don't really like Clay Thompson right now. And I've gone mm-hmm. on record a bunch talking about mm-hmm. how he should maybe come off the bench. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're going to have to do it because pool on the bench right now is not working. Clay in the starting lineup is not working. I think they got to try. And I do think Golden State, the only concern for the Knicks here is that Golden State's still really good at home. They're just useless on the road. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to lean to the Knicks, though. A lot of resolve in that Denver win. They looked awful, but they ended up rallying from double digits down in altitude in the second of a back to back. That's a very nice win. I know you I'll, I will. Play, but- I'll go ahead and do it. I'll do it here because I haven't done it yet. I will take back what I said about Jalen Brunson. I will okay. take back. He has actually been a very solid piece for New York, and I thought when he came here, he was just going to be a score, 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 and try to score. And whenever the Knicks get point guards that try to be score, 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 they end up shooting a terrible percentage, not getting anybody else involved, and ultimately get, end up getting regulated to the bench. However, Jalen Brunson has come there, found a way to be able to not only score the basketball pretty efficiently, but get his teammates involved. And so I can 100% admit that I was wrong about Jalen Brunson. I would probably take all those initial feelings that you now have kind of just all over the place since Brunson is on your cool list now. 
Are you just going to apply them all to RJ Barrett right now? He's no, been really bad. He has, but but RJ always has stretches. Like he always has stretches in the season. Yeah, I know. He's it's why really it's why I don't think he's very good. It's why Knicks fans swear by him. I think he's just. I think he's. I, just, I think he's basketball as Amari Cooper. I think he's a very streaky, mediocre guard in the NBA. It's kind of what I see. But you know, we'll see. Either way, I'm gonna go with the Knicks here. I'm out line seven and a half with the Warriors. But the Knicks, as you said, they're a pretty good West Coast team for whatever reason. And they survived one of the worst spots you can possibly imagine. Denver on a back-to-back in altitude, and they came from behind. I'm so telling you, you have Knicks. to watch. You got to watch the Knicks when they go West Coast. Like I know the numbers don't support it all the time because there is a number of games that they just go there and do not cover. But when you watch the games, it just seems like they are so more invigorated when they go West Coast. It really does. Yeah, the, Knicks right. have, the Knicks have won three of the last five. Uh, all of those games were decided by eight or less points. Uh, that that the Knicks the Knicks did not lose by nine or more in any of those games. So all right, two thirty four and a half. Over I'm on the under. Oh, you're on under. I'm not going to take an over here. I, I think this number is a bit too high. If I think the Knicks are going to actually compete, I think defensively they have to show something in mm-hmm. this game because once the crowd gets into it and once you like Curry go, I mean, Curry, Curry scored fifty and they still had a hard time scoring. And I get that the Knicks defense is a lot worse than Phoenix's. I'm hoping the fourth quarter Thibodeau snails pace mm-hmm. just kills the entire over in this game. Mm-hmm. A lot of isolation. Everyone's standing around watching Brunson and Randall do their thing for 20-something seconds. I'm hoping the fourth quarter, in the words of my co-host, one bad quarter and your over is dead. So I'm going to go yeah. with the under. <laughs> I do think the fourth quarter is going to really be ugly. Just get yeah. the under. I've seen Thibodeau's offense late in games. It's going to kill the pace in this game. All right. Um, If anybody – over the course of the day, finds a Patrick Bauer Jr. prop. I will bet it. I don't think you'll find one, but if you find it, whatever it may be. If he doesn't play, get your money back. <laughs> yeah, whatever it may be. If you find somebody, some book that is crazy enough to give you a prop on Patrick Baldwin Jr., then I will 100% bet it on his birthday. So just at me at really real underscore underscore on Instagram, Discord, sg.pn slash Discord, at me there. I will bet his prop if you find it. The odds right. of anybody finding a prop on Baldwin, by the way, at least like plus one thousand. Yeah, yeah. Like at at the very, at I, I will actually bet. I will bet that nobody finds a prop on Patrick. The no is going to be minus twenty five hundred. <laughs> so you're not going to find a prop on him, but still. All right, last game of the slate. The Detroit Pistons are on the road to play the Los Angeles Lakers. Minus seven for the Lakers. Pistons just played last night, lost to the Clippers. We have two twenty six for the total injuries and we got Kay Cunningham still out Isaiah Stewart still out and for the Lakers JTA's questionable with a back AD Thomas Bryant both probable actually no they said Thomas Bryant and Dennis Smith Jr. not Dennis Smith Jr. Jesus Christ Dennis Schroeder they they are both supposed to make their Lakers debut this season I mean this season today and LeBron James is questionable but he's probably gonna play also, on birthday news, <laughs> it is also Jalen Duran's birthday. Okay. So, happy birthday, Jalen Durant. I actually could get behind that. I could I could get behind that. So, and there'll probably be props out for him. So, I could get behind that. But I'm on the Lakers in this game. 7 for Lakers. Yeah, that's really what I was about to ask you. Are you late? I hate the Lake I hate the Lakers with a passion, but the, mm-hmm. just based on the roster. Mm-hmm. I think this team stinks. Detroit's actual garbage. And it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> and Cade's hurt. You know, that happens. You know, it is what mm-hmm. it is. But words cannot describe the absolute tanking 
of Dwayne Casey's coaching stock. <laughs> he is really just awful with that team. And mm-hmm. they can't score. They're on a back-to-back. And it was a bad back-to-back. It was the physical kind where the first game's an absolute grind. You're miserable. You're, you know, having to deal with Zubac going for 17-plus rebounds in the paint. You're miserable the entire game. And you fell yeah, get out physical by the freaking Clippers of all teams. And now you face Anthony Davis and probably LeBron. I, I'm going with the Lakers. I know this team's bad. Detroit's really, really bad. <laughs> I'm going with the Lakers. Detroit's probably an auto fade team for me. I really can't make a case for this team with Dwayne Casey as the coach. I, I really think it's just a matter of time. It's a young team. I don't want to try to read into stuff that I don't have any information on. Mm-hmm. I got to assume they've tuned them out in the locker room. Mm-hmm. They're getting smacked every game. At some point, something's got to give. But give me the Lakers. I think at home, they've had a lot of days off. They haven't played in what, like five days, four days? Yeah, they have so many days. They basically had a week off. I'm going with the Lakers. I think it's a it's a it's a time off you need when you're worried about Anthony Davis getting injured every play. Mm-hmm. So I, they should be healthy. The time off might have allowed LeBron to actually come back for this game. But give me the Lakers. I'm so low on the Pistons right now. I cannot be any lower. Yeah, same. I mean, if Kate Cunningham was there, I would take the Pistons. I would take like a Lakers money line Pistons cover and get some extra juice. But no, I I, I think that they get buried today. I really do. I think this is it just seems it one is just a bad matchup with Isaiah Stewart being out. Now you're you're leaning on Durant and the rookie like you really are. Yeah. Yeah. And so. That's why I do think Durant has a little bit of a good game, just because the addition of it being his birthday, of course. Fell in trouble also for Bagley. Durant can get him. Yeah, play. and so and I be, I don't know what their what's their lineup. Uh, Bagley, right now, Bogdanovich, uh, yeah. Hayes, Ivy, and Bay. Hayes coming into the starting lineup was very interesting to me, but maybe it's just because he's a pure point guard, but he's been shooting the ball very very. He's bad. also allegedly their power forward, so they should get murdered on the glass. Yeah. All right. Nope. I'm on it. Lakers minus seven. Total 220. What'd I say? 226? Yeah, 226. I'm on the under. Detroit's on a back-to-back. It's physical. The Lakers can't shoot. I can't, I'm not going to take an over in this game. Yeah. And yeah you got, I tried, and you got I Beverly, tried to talk myself yeah. into it. I tried to talk you got to myself Beverly into guarding it. Ivy. Whether you like Beverly or not, he'll make life difficult for Ivy. They, they don't have many other scoring options. I'm on the under. I will say, last three games have gone over. Uh, that these teams have played, but I just can't. I'm I can't assuming Kate played in those games. Yeah, I can't buy myself to take an over. There's no Kate. In this I mean, game. That he's the real. He's the only guy on the offense that I have faith in every possession. Boyan, I like. Does he create his his own shot? Not really. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the under. All right. Let's before we get into lock and dog World Cup free roll contest. Two hundred fifty dollars cash. Two hundred fifty dollars gift certificate to the winner. Make sure you. Uh, sign up exclusively on the SGPN app, App Store, Google Play Store, and you have check out all of our World Cup content on sportsgamingpodcast.com. And then we also have the merch store, 10% off using promo code Dallas Sucks. And that will get you perfect stocking stuffers, whether you get the talk about my third leg on my parlay shorts, the Christmas sweater, the NBA gambling podcast shirt, hat, all of that stuff over there at store.sportsgamingpodcast.com. All right, lock and dog time. By the way, before we actually get into the lock and dog picks, there are some breaking news developments with some of the lineups here. The Wizards are now minus five and a half because Jimmy Butler has officially been ruled out. Adebayo (laughs) is still questionable. Hero's still out. 
So Jimmy Butler is officially out. The line has now moved to five and a half. Oh, dang it. Ah. So what if you bet the Wizards when we went over it, you just saved yourself four and a half points in the span of an hour. But yeah, you you did. You just yeah, you really won. It probably won't impact the lock and dog, but it's breaking news. I'm going to mention it. No, it won't. But now I'm considering I'm getting five and a half of Miami on the road. Now it makes me consider Miami, but I just don't know who's going to handle the majority. I'm trying to think actually heroes out Butler's out. Blindly give me like some Struce props or some bullshit. Like somebody's going to have to score on this team. I'll figure that out and I'll put that in Discord. Somebody's got to shoot. Yeah. All right. For my lock, let's go with. Milwaukee plus nine and a half. Yeah, Milwaukee plus one and a half. Okay. They're 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 gonna they all they have this team's number like they have this team's number and potentially could be at full strength. I'll take my chances plus one and a half for Milwaukee for my dog. Uh, let's go with fuck it. Let's go with Houston at home dog plus one seventy on the money line. I'll take Houston. You're going to run it back with Houston. I respect it. Yeah, back to back. That's crazy. But, okay. you know, all right, let's run it back with Houston. This is a good spot. Let's run it back with Houston. All right, one, plus 170 on the money line. But bonus lock, Denver plus nine. I'm sorry. I feel really good about Denver. Denver plus nine. That's a bonus lock. Scott, what are you doing? So for my lock, I'm going to go back to that Dallas-Denver game. And I'm going to go with the under at 215.5. I don't know what the hell this total is. I'm going to say thank you, and I'm just going to take it. Mm-hmm. I watched Denver against the Knicks. The Knicks this season can't guard anybody, and that game was a rock fight. Like, ba- barely any – did any of those teams even get to 100 in the end? Did the Knicks get to 100? In the Denver game? Yeah. Did they I get to they 100? Ju- I think they just barely – let me – I can tell you right now. The Knicks uh, got – They won the 106-103. Yeah, barely at the end, 106-103. But the Knicks have been a terrible defensive team all season long. Dallas yep. have been good defensively, and the pace alone – the Knicks are actually relatively fast. The Mavericks are the slowest team in the league by a wide margin. I like the under. Jokic is out. I don't like Dallas' supporting cast. Denver's defense, I thought, was actually okay during the course of that game. Mm-hmm. But I just think that Dallas alone has to play a lot slower with Luka in the lineup because he's their best player. And I think this total is way too high. I think Denver's not going to get to 100, so I'll gladly take the under. I think that total is ridiculously high. Give me the under 215.5 in that Mavericks-Nuggets game. And for my dog, I'm going to pick actually your lock. I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Moneyline okay. at plus 105. I know it's a baby dog, but at the end of the day, they own this team. And Embiid, once again, went for 57, and he almost had a quad double against a team with no centers. And they still barely won the game because the supporting cast is just that bad. Mm. Milwaukee has the bodies on the interior to make Embiid work for it, or at least to just fatigue him. We saw in the first game – Embiid did nothing the entire second half. I believe he didn't score the entire second half. So I think Milwaukee's going to wear him down. Giannis is still the best player on the court. He takes these meetings against Embiid personally to prove he's the best player on the court. Mm -hmm. I like Milwaukee money line. I just think that they're the much better team. All right. I got to get out of here. I have somewhere else I had to head to real quick because I did say something about a parlay, even though I don't have odds for the players up right now. Uh, Jalen Green. Let's get Jalen Green for a big game. And uh, let's throw Giannis in there, too. Giannis probably shows out, right? I got to assume so, especially yeah. after Embiid put put up 50-something last And Embiid's going to use yeah. too much energy on the offensive end to play defense. So, all right. And 
Uh, let's get another player in there. I mean, Boston Pelicans, do we throw your pick of Tatum, Brown, Ingram? I feel like that's a good third. I thought that, and then Tatum was terrible against Atlanta, but I guess it didn't matter. This is, well, he, yeah, bounce back spot. Yep, Tatum. It's Tatum. Thank you for saying that. I forgot about that. Yeah, Tatum today. So throw Tatum in there as well. I thought you were going to say Curry because you just expected Curry to go nuts against the Knicks. Oh, yeah. Okay, throw Curry. Okay, so four players. All right, so Jalen Green, uh, who we say? Jalen Green, Jason Tatum, uh, Steph Curry, and who's the last one we said? Giannis. That sounds fun. We're going 30 plus on those? Uh, yeah, let's take props. So props, all props, uh, points, props, and then we'll go up whatever the next level. But I'm is saying, are, are we just person. going like twenty five each and thirty each? Yeah, I can't do it because they don't have all the props up, so it's like hard. But you know what I mean? because you, know, like you know Giannis is yeah. going to be at thirty two and a half, so you can't put thirty because you're going down. But if you yeah. put him for thirty five, you'll get some juice. So like, just take the next level up. So Giannis thir- would be thirty five. The lowest point total that's plus money. There we go. Thank you. That's it. That's the call. All right. See you guys. I got to go. No other way to end the podcast, but make sure you subscribe. NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, Subscribe. Everything on the network. He's at Radio. At underscore really real underscore underscore. All of that. We out.